You're listening to The Loke Show, presented by Smartling. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Loke Show. This is your host, Jerry Choi. And today we are continuing on with language series and I have with me Turkish linguist Taneya Terove. He is here to share his expert insights on what to know when translating from English to Turkish and also a little bit on the Turkish culture. Taneya, welcome to The Look Show. Hi, Taner. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. So happy to have you and be able to speak with you. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast. Awesome. I'm sure our listeners are eager to know who you are. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, well, um, I'm... Uh, Turkish born Australian uh, and I lived in Australia for um, more than 10 years um, and I studied communication um, there and for the last uh, 11 and a half years or so I've been back in Turkey and for the, uh, more than like the last eight or nine years I've been uh, focused on uh, working as a freelance linguist. Um, and then in, in more recent years, it's been mainly uh, focused on uh, website localization and um, basically various <laughs> international clients and uh, SmartLing is uh, one of my uh, favorite regular clients and, and uh, I hope to work with you guys for many years to come. Yeah, awesome. So you said you do a lot of website localization. Do you have any like specific industries that you work a lot with? Well, yeah, I've been working for uh, uh, as a reviewer for a major IT company for the last eight and a half years or so. So okay, online marketing and uh, advertising and that sort of thing is pretty much like my specialty. I should say. Awesome. So are you calling in from Istanbul? Istanbul. Okay, yes. great. Uh, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the city? Uh, for me, it's, I think the historical sites and the architecture comes to mind first, but te- but yeah, tell us what, what's Istanbul like? Yeah, well, Istanbul is a real melting pot culture, so to speak. So, you know, it's actually divided by a harbor that's actually the geographical borderline between Asia and Europe. So you can just go from Europe to Asia and back by just crossing the bridge or taking a ferry, um, which makes it a really uh, unique spot where, you know, the, the cultures of two continents kind of merge into one another. And of course, it has a very <clears throat> long history. Uh, was the, it was the capital of the Byzantine Empire until the 15th century and the Ottomans took over. And it was the capital of the Ottoman Empire until the um, early 20th century. 
And after 1923, the Turkish Republic was formed and the empire was basically abolished. And then Ankara became the capital of the Turkish Republic, but Istanbul still remains uh, as the biggest city um, with a population of around, I don't know, maybe 20 million or something right nowadays. Um, so it's, it's very beautiful. It does have a lot of historic landmarks and um, palaces, mosques, churches, um, uh, a lot of things, a lot of things. But yeah, unfortunately, I mean, in recent years, there's been a lot of like uh, character construction, skyscrapers mm. everywhere. There's just like, yeah, in some spots, it's just like too many buildings and there's hardly anything green left. You know, you'll be hard pressed to find the small park, you know, and um, it's a bit like unfortunate in terms of those things. Because I know that, you know, like, in, in, in countries like Australia, probably same for USA as well. Like people have backyards that are larger than our, like you know, neighborhood parks. So <laughs> it's um, a bit difficult in in in, in that uh, sense. Um, yeah. But of course, it's a beautiful city, and I was born here, and I, I spent my childhood here. So um, I still love it, but. Um, and, and, and I'm sure that it's a nice, interesting place to visit for those who haven't been here before. So I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen Istanbul, uh, you should one day uh, check it out. It could be for a short time, but you need to spend a few days at least to really uh, get to know the city because it's quite large and, and really uh, is expanding constantly. Yeah, it it sounds like a, a awesome place to travel. I yeah, definitely hope to travel to Turkey one day. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, diving a little bit more into the language Turkish itself, uh, can you give uh, first give us a, maybe a brief introduction to to the language Turkish? Well, um, Turkish language without like really going into all the historical linguistic um, details. I mean, it uh, is fairly um, different to um, the languages uh, that have derived from Latin. And that is to say it's a very amalgative language and, and some we have lots of suffixes. We use a lot of suffixes. So, and, and there are some like extreme examples where we can like um, explain, express something with just a single word, a single word, but with like several suffixes attached to it. But in order to express the same thing in English, you need to form like a six, seven word sentence. Mm-hmm. And uh, which makes it tricky to really learn for um, foreigners and to master it, you know, in, in the same sense that uh, native speakers. Um, can speak it and their pronunciation is also fairly different and um, not, not really easy to learn for non English speaking people quite uh, often. They have a struggle with the pronunciations. And, but um, in terms of um, the alphabet, we do use the Latin alphabet, but that's also 
something that's been only happening for the last century with the beginning of the Turkish Republic. So before that, uh, the Ottomans, they still spoke pretty much the same language. Of course, it evolves and certain words are no longer used and new words are, you know, coined and they mm-hmm. have uh, joined the vocabulary and stuff. But um, the, the Ottomans, they used to write with the Arabic script. So from right to left and, you know, and uh, this all these cursive with real uh, difficult symbols. And so like for the average Ottoman child to learn how to read and write, it took them like uh, two and a half to three years. But with the Latin alphabet, it's been simplified a great deal. So most kids, they learn how to write and read within the first year uh, of schooling. Awesome. So you, you did touch a little bit on the challenges and like difficulties of the language of Turkish, but when you're translating from English to Turkish, are there, you know, any other like typical like challenges that translators face? Well, yeah, of course, there were a lot of challenges and um, sometimes um, it's not very easy to ascertain that you're doing a, a, the... the um, good thing that um, without the enough context there must be always a lot of context provided for the translations to be 100% accurate but um, sometimes yeah it's not easy for example I was uh, once translating like um, this file that had a lot of location names but um, it also differed I mean it also it had American states as well as names of countries, names of cities, and things like that. And for example, Georgia, it's the state of uh, America, but at the same time, you know, it's a country in um, uh, former Soviet uh, Union. And we, we don't call them the same thing in Turkish, you know, the American state Georgia is Georgia, but the country Georgia is called Georgistan. So, for example, without... Mm knowing which one this segment actually refers to. And if you, you know, just use one of them, there's 50% chance that it will look really silly because it's going to be totally wrong. And then uh, it may go under a message like this uh, service is unavailable in the following states and it's trying to say, you know, <coughs> California, New York, and then it's going to uh, write the name of the country or vice versa. Uh, if it actually uh, compile a list of country names from that and, and they use the state name Georgia, it's going to look uh, bad. <laughs> uh, uh, there, were, there are a lot of uh, interesting little differences like that that can make it difficult. And also, as I said, we use a lot of suffixes and stuff. So, for example, we don't have a word like off. We use that as... as we use a suffix and attach it to a word. And uh, as in, the, for example, apostrophe S that you have in English. Um, we, we use that. So, for example, sometimes you get a statement uh, that only has the word of or for or stuff like that. And, um, yeah, they cannot even be translated. So we have to use, for example, a slash or a dash or some other thing that will, you know, uh, still 
um, get the message across, but will not look weird or ungrammatical. So sometimes it does really require the translator to think outside the box, and um, you cannot just, you know, like uh, use to most literal and word for word translation for everything. This especially goes for like marketing material and, you know, like the more, how shall I say, casual um, the written texts and stuff like that. And then the, if, if you do a very literal translation, it's just gonna read like a translation. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, like all these things that I never knew about the language. It's it's really interesting. Um, well, you know, I, you, it, it's a perfect segue because uh, you know many times the challenges also uh, come from the words or phrases that are difficult to be translated, like in back into English or back into Turkish, maybe because it doesn't exist or. Yeah. You know, just because there's a cultural aspect attached to it or, or something like that. Um, you, you mentioned one, but do you have um, any like other Turkish words that, that comes to mind yeah, that, I, that you like? These sorts of words that, for example, uh, for the words header, title, headline, um, we always use the same word in Turkish, that's Pashtun. But uh, sometimes you get a task where these three refer to different things. And if you translate them all with the same word, um, it's going to be completely confusing and it's not, not, not going to make sense to the end user. So sometimes you have to come up with uh, new words or come up with new solutions or you have to dig up some old fashioned words just so that you, know, you can further reader can differentiate between these um, three concepts that are pretty much similar, but um, it, it does make a difference in English and, and it has to be reflected into the target, uh, target text as well. And um, yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, um, things like that. Sometimes, and, and I mean, it's like that, we, sometimes we have several words for the same concept, but you only have one in English and vice versa. So that can make for some uh, tricky strings to translate. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. <laughs> well, and also if, uh, if we're to localize for a Turkish audience, the language mm -hmm. is definitely important, but understanding the culture is also critical you know, for success. So yeah. uh, what would you say some of the biggest cultural differences that, you know, maybe English uh, speakers or maybe we might have to watch out for when working with a Turkish audience? Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes, for example, I mean, in Turkish, we also have uh, formal and informal uh, register uh, differences, pretty much the same as in German, like, you know, in English, when you're speaking to people, um, you is the you know second person, and it's the same with the plural as well. But in Turkish, 
these are two different things. And also when you're speaking with your like a friend that you know very well, you use the informal tone. But when you're speaking with like a business client or someone you just met or something, it's the formal tone. And sometimes, you know, websites quite often they use the formal because it's the more conventional and common thing to do. And, um, but of course, this can also come, uh, you know, create some other challenges because sometimes, you know, the, the client really wants to, the whole copy to read really friendly, informal, casual, and stuff like that. But if you just, you know, comply with this uh, instruction, with this request, uh, 100%. And Turkish, it can make for like really outlandish, and you know, this really atypical and uh, excessively friendly language that will, you know, sound insincere and weird to the more, you know, regular Turkish people. And so we have to take into account uh, slight variations like that and really try and come up with, you know, whatever is the most um, common way of using this. Like one way of like approaching this translation, um, website localization and etc. is to um, not really just translating the source message, you know, completely, but also to think about like if this were originally a Turkish company and the text was originally written in Turkish, what would it say here? And what would be the normal thing for a corporation like this um, to say to their customers, to their potential customers and stuff like that. And that always is a really uh, important aspect to keep in mind uh, for, uh, in order to, you know, um, do a proper job in localization. Yeah, that just reminds me again um, you know how uh, like machine translation is just like getting so much like so like, better and better. It's like doing like a lot of the translation jobs, but these like subtle, you know, things that that we need human translators for because all these little like cultural aspects of things. Yeah, yeah. that's right. fantastic. Right. Mm. I, I mean, like, for example, take the word like turkey. It can refer to the animal or it can refer to the country. Right. Okay. And and then like the computer will give you just a random, you know, it's a 50-50 chance that it will give you the right suggestion. So if the human does not catch this and then, you know, you translate the country name Turkey as the name of the animal, it's just going to look uh, really weird. It's going to be a glaring error at the end of the day. Um, so there are some pitfalls like that, but... I am also quite fascinated and impressed with how machine translation has progressed over the last uh, 10 years or so, you know, from its like beginnings to now, yeah, there is like a tremendous, tremendous difference. And of course, it's not still very reliable and some human uh, input is also required in order to turn this into uh, the desired quality. However, uh, it does help out a lot. And um, there are instances where machine translation suggestions can actually uh, prevent the human from making an error. 
That mm -hmm. is to say, for example, like if there is no machine translation suggestion and I just misread something on the source text and yeah. I can just you know, translate it like that. But when I'm working with machine translation suggestions and I misread a segment, and then when I go to copy the uh, machine translation suggestion, I see, oh no, it says something completely different. And I look again and then I say, oh yeah, the machine is right. I misread this. It was a just, you know, quick oversight. But without the machine translation suggestion, I would have just completely uh, translated as I read it, uh, misread it <laughs> to be more precise and not notice it. So there has been some occasions where machine translation suggestion has actually um, stopped me from committing a serious meaning error like that. Mm. So it's a definitely a collaborative effort yes. and rely on each other very much so. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with just increasingly diverse groups of people today when, you know, in, in localization and with that, that means, uh, ensuring translations are inclusive is critical, I, I believe. And so from your perspective, what are some things to, um, consider, you know, to improve inclusive language in Turkish translations? Inclusive, um, in terms of like all cultural groups and, uh, different, yeah. Uh, parts of society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, making sure, you know, not to express or imply like, prejudice. Yeah. 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 yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, well, um, on the one hand, it's a bit simpler in terms of like sexist language and stuff because in Turkish we do not have the he-she difference and we have the same person um, pronoun to uh, refer to this. So, um, there was, but of course, you know, sometimes we may have to, um, be extra careful, um, to not, you know, come up with words that, um, unintentionally, um, may sound offensive or rude to certain, certain cultural groups or a certain sex, something like that. And, um, but yeah. I mean, yeah, in general, it's not a, a problem that um, comes up very often in Turkish, uh, English or Turkish localization. Okay, yeah, it's definitely uh, like really critical. It's important to get it right these days, especially, you know, translations are like literally the face of a brand that are that are you know co communicating to you know a lot of people so yeah okay uh also the other day i was uh reading i i read that localization in the gaming industry in turkey is like really big right now is that are, are you are you seeing any like other industries in turkey that you're seeing a lot of global growth these days anything like that well, yeah, I mean, yeah, gaming industry, gaming localization isn't something that I've had a chance to uh, do much of, tell the truth. So it's not really something that I can comment on um, in, in detail. But there is definitely, yeah, probably a big, big crop. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in that, and of course, also at localizations, you know, mobile uh, phones, electronics. Um, all, all these companies, they want to have the, their, you know, devices localized properly uh, so that they can be used by uh, Turkish people, even if they don't speak any English. Mm-hmm. And they can, you know, navigate and find their way around, around their mobile phones uh, as easily as other people do. So, yeah, there is definitely uh, a still need and um, demand for that uh, type of work. And then it's expanding um, in the recent years, that's for sure. Cool. Uh, and let's let's talk a little bit uh, about your your translation process. So I'm just curious. So you mentioned earlier that you have you know experience in translating you know websites and you know e-commerce and marketing materials and so on. Um, and and I'm sure the approach to translate those pieces are all different from each other. Uh, yeah. If you could tell us a little bit about that, like what's your typical process? of translating jobs look like? Yeah, well, it's just, you know, all, like you said, it, it changes from task to task. And, you know, sometimes it can be very easy. Sometimes it can be very challenging and, you know, like with little context given and, and you have to like do research for each word and um, to try and find the correct um, word in Turkish. And then sometimes it's just a piece of cake because it's all straightforward stuff like, you know, UI things, click next to continue and, you know, go choose this from the such and such menu and stuff like that. And I mean, it's almost like, for example, computer translation is almost lowest when it comes to uh, stuff like that. So, um, and then some, when you get like a, totally different sort of um, marketing material and the computer translation is pretty much useless. You might have lost completely and like type everything from scratch or you just use a few words here and there and then just work your way yeah. that. So like I say, it's a, it differs from um, task to task but I try to, you know, like uh, investigate the website or whatever app or uh, user manual or whatever it is I'm translating and you know so I try and make sure that everything um, will look as intended in the target language. Great. I also um, saw your you know your piece your story in the move the world with words book and I saw that you mentioned that there are are there is an artistic element to translation uh can you yeah. tell us more i i think i have a vague idea but i just like to know know what you meant by that um yeah yeah of course i mean like in, in turkish for example um we tend we try to i mean sometimes even if you use uh, different words for a similar concept like i said we have to use the same word in Turkish and stuff, and still make for like really hideous repetitions, and then, mm-hmm. uh, or like sometimes, yeah, in order to really get the point across like 100%, then 
we have to really expand the Turkish, you know, like a, a six word sentence will become like a 15 word sentence in Turkish or vice versa. And we have to sometimes, yeah, um, trim these things or really come up with a different solution in Turkish so that the, the source and target texts are not like, you know, so uh, exceedingly different in terms of size from one another. Because this also causes formatting issues for the developers, I believe, because now they designed the website originally in English, and this text has to go there, and this has to go there, and stuff. And when you get translations, they're almost like twice <laughs> or as long, and then it's going to make for truncated sentences or new line breaks, and you know, it's just going to look really uh, not neat. And, and so we have to take these things all into account. And then really not only try to choose the uh, best word available, um, we also have to take into these like uh, more aesthetical considerations so that um, we can make sure that the final product looks as neat and as presentable in Turkish as it did in the uh, original uh, source. That's basically what I meant uh, about the artistic side of it. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing. Uh, I am also a you know, writer myself. It, it's not the same thing from translation, but I write especially in the marketing setting a lot. And so I can yeah, totally relate. It's, it makes sense. Um, and, and by the way, uh, if... Those of you any, uh, who, who haven't seen the book, uh, Move the World with Words yet, I strongly recommend it. I uh, recommend that you get one. I got mine in the mail not long ago, but um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's just a beautiful collection of stories of our translators who, who are just truly the heroes of localization and, and the stories reflecting their passion for language. And, and, you know, you know, just, just amazing photography from all around the globe. So, and Taner is featured in, in the book as well. So, uh, yeah, I hope you all uh, get a chance to check out the, the book, Move the World with Words. Um, cool. Uh, what about, um, do you, do you, what's, what's your favorite aspect of being a linguist or a professional translator, Taner? Um, well, yeah, but for me, working as a freelance service, um, uh, very suitable for my lifestyle. And, you know, I'm just really not uh, very, uh, used to having the same routine and always, you know, the nine to five stuff, which I did try like some years ago. Um, I worked for a uh, hotel reservations company for about a year. Um, and then, you know, like having that flexibility of, you know, like working whenever you feel like it, so long as, you know, you get to meet the deadlines, but, you know, just like not having to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day and, you know, having that kind of like flexibility and that basically being your own boss and just, you know, saying, okay, well, this much workload is enough for me now, I don't want to more and all that sort of thing. Those are really appealing for me. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, yeah, it's, um, I do like the 
challenges that it poses and, and sometimes, yeah, it, you know, you, you're using your mind and you have to think and just, you know, like be careful and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, it's not actually um, all that awfully different from being an artist in that sense as well, because mm-hmm. you have to really, you know, I mean, the, the more you like what you're doing, I believe that, you know, the more successful you can become with it. And if you're doing something just to uh, make money quickly and you don't really like what you're doing, of course, the product will not be um, as um, great. Awesome. Well, we're coming uh, toward the end of our interview. Um, I I always like to ask this question to the linguists. Um, if you could ask for anything that you want from, uh, you know, whether it be your project manager or somebody from other departments to make your job easier as a, as a translator, what would you ask for? Well... I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm quite happy with the uh, how smuggling system works, but yeah, probably um, the biggest problem is sometimes the lack of context. As I mentioned earlier in the interview, sometimes yeah, you get some tasks that are like uh, more like a puzzle <laughs> because without the context, there are various potential meanings available that can be translated into interpretation. Right, it's not going to work well, and so probably uh, you know ensuring that the translator has as much context to look at as possible um, that would definitely uh, make things easier for the translators. Yeah. Other than that, I'm 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 quite happy with the way. That's how the smartphone platform works. And sometimes there can be some loading errors or saving the string issues and you have to reload the page and all that sort of thing. But I suppose um, those are just yeah, normal uh, technical parts that uh, everyone encounters every now and then. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear uh, that you're uh, happy with how Smartling is doing things. But it's it's really funny because I have spoken to three uh, linguists so far. And mm-hmm. when I asked this question, um, like, what would you ask for to make your translation job easier? Every single person so far has mentioned context. So it's just funny that, yeah, it, it's, it must be the one thing that the linguists are looking for. It's, it's yeah, I just found about it interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything else that uh, maybe we should know about the uh, translation process from English to Turkish or anything else you just want to add before we wrap up? Um, yeah, well, not really. I mean, like I said, it's also totally different from, um, for example, like translating a literature, um, a novel that's it's also uh, much more difficult. Uh, in some senses, compared to website localization, because you know, you don't can't. I mean, certain you know uh, writers, they do have some you know total different way 
with words and, and you know getting it right in Turkish sometimes you really have to stop and think for like 10 minutes or just a single sentence and then you know when it comes to like translating legal texts and um, they have these total different patterns and just you know like these sentences that go forever and you know if you put this through the machine translation will make it into a complete <laughs> Gabble the gook, where there's no grammar, no nothing, and it's just mm-hmm. complete stuff. So, um, yeah, it all just also you know depends on the sentence length and all these things that um, um, make um, translation more challenging when you when you get a, for example, a task with very very long sentences. The longer the sentence, the more problematic the machine translation suggestion will be and the less useful it will be. Quite often that's the case. And the shorter the sentence, uh, the more likely it is that the machine translation will be just you can just copy and use it basically. Um, so yeah, that's that's maybe another thing that uh, I could bring up. Yeah, fantastic. Well, awesome. Well, Tane, it was absolutely my pleasure to learn uh, all these insights about the Turkish language, the culture, and you know, a little bit about the localization in Turkey. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I had absolute uh, a fun, great time. Thank you so much for your time today. And yeah, I wish you best of luck in your uh, ongoing translation work and, and so on. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate uh, talking to you as well. And uh, I hope you have a nice day. That is all I have for our conversation about the Turkish translation and localization. So thanks again for tuning in today. And we've covered a few languages so far and we have some more coming up. But if you have a language, Um, or a topic that you would love me to um, interview or have burning questions or a topic suggestion or anything like that, just let me know um, by shooting over an email at lopeshow at smartling.com and I will try to address those. And with that, have a good morning or good night wherever you are and I will see you again at our next episode. Bye!